Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. So we come off of two weeks of doing what the people want, and now we're coming back to doing what I want to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I more often than not choose the movies here, mostly because uh, you, Craig, tend to be more like, ah, whatever. You, you'll just sort of go along with everything I suggest, which I love, and I think sometimes you regret it. Mm-hmm. And then you give me shit for it, so I guess that's like my payment, I suppose, as to... Yeah, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> well... Today's movie is the 1971 West German-Spanish lesbian vampire movie, Vampiros Lesbos, which uh, has been on my list for us to watch for a long time, because as you know, I'm a, I'm a very big supporter of the LGBTQ community. Don't do that. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't need your support. <laughs> or your lesbian vampires. What's wrong with my lesbian oh, vampires? Geez. This is well, this is the first in a month-long series of lesbian vampire movies. We're, we're hitting up a new theme month. Craig doesn't no, know it yet. You're but, uh, absolutely wrong. That's the thing. You're you are right when you I have said to you a bazillion times cuz you throw shit like this at me and I'm like, I don't say no. I I will not say no. I am really reevaluating my position on that after this. <laughs> After this one, huh? This yes. is the one it took? Wow. Todd, no. this movie is terrible. <laughs> well, it's I'm not going to say that. It's just porn. Let's just be straight about oh, it. Oh, it's, it's not just, porn. Yes, it is. No, it's just no, porn. This is no, porn no. for men in the 70s who were too pussy to buy real porn, who were too ashamed to go in and actually like buy porn. They could rent this and be like, no, this is a legitimate film. Okay, whatever. <laughs> This it's is not, but that's fine. You're you're right about the fact that yes, this is uh well, first and foremost, this is an exploitation film. Almost everything we do on this podcast is an exploitation film. And we've seen it in uh all sorts of extremes, okay? We've seen super extreme violence. We've seen way more porny sex than you'll ever see in this movie. This movie is filled with nudity, and yes, it's long, leering shots up close of of women's bodies and gives girls an excuse to rub their hands all over each other and stuff like that. But it is a far cry from porn. It's not porn. Well, I guess it depends on how you define porn, then. I guess... (laughs) We don't need to get into it. Uh, It's it's Playboy Channel, at least. Yeah. It's it's very tame. You're right, but very tame Playboy Channel from maybe back in the in the 80s or something like that. Uh-huh. It's it's extremely tame nudity, but it's not porn. It's absolutely not. I will agree with you on, on technical terms. No, if you call it porn, you're going to give our listeners the wrong idea because, like I said, we have seen movies. Okay, fine, fine. Then it's just trash. Like. <laughs> don't want to call it porn that's fine it's just trash then like well, I, uh, I, it was a big I, hit in I europe when it. it came out i'll tell you that i mean it was a different time F-ing europeans <laughs> trash 1971 <laughs> well well look the director of this movie and another reason why i wanted to do this movie and by the way no this movie i'm i'm completely joking about we're not going to be going into deep uh, discussions of gender roles and uh, and you know queer theory when we talk about this movie it's it's 100% for the male gaze uh, obviously but uh, the director of this film Jess Franco is one of the most prolific filmmakers ever 
And that's not necessarily a compliment. Like, most of what he made was garbage. Uh, And he knew he was making garbage. And he said, I don't think I've ever made a good film. Uh, He always wanted to, but what he was primarily known for was getting cheap exploitation films in under budget and uh, on time. And that allowed him to basically do whatever he wanted. And so that's how he made his money. A Spanish filmmaker who who made women in prison movies, a lot of horror movies like this, uh, lots of so- sort of soft core, you know, not porn, but like like this movie, where it's just a lot of looking at girls' bodies or things, or sex comedies and stuff like that. This guy made over 200 movies. He also scored and wrote the films. Um, he's often compared to Ed Wood. As this guy who, yeah, very prolific, made a lot of movies, lots of enthusiasm for films, but quite incompetent. Really wasn't even, you know, always able to put together anything that's beyond just exploitation. But anyway, uh, he made this movie in 1971, and uh, one of the stars of this film, um, Soledad Miranda, who plays the... The vampire? Nadia? She plays the vampire, yeah. Countess uh, Nadine Carodi. Carodi? Yeah. She was on to become a possibly a big international star. This was like his one discovery. Like he found her, he put her in a couple movies which gained her sudden popularity in Europe and uh, she was really poised to be like an international superstar when she sadly died in a car accident. Oh. In 19 at the age of 27. Oh my god, Actually, that's awful. Yeah, uh, 1970 was the date of her accident. This movie came out in 71, and I think there were three or four other movies she had already shot that came out after her death. And so, yeah, really sad. Like, this woman, I think, is captivating on the screen. She's She's gorgeous. She's stunningly beautiful, yeah. She's stunningly beautiful. She has these really piercing eyes. Obviously, nobody in this movie really gets a chance to showcase their acting talents and stuff, but... Uh, just the fact that she can go through some of these really, really long takes without cracking a smile or <laughs> or or cracking up. I, actually, I, I give all the actors credit for that uh, in this movie, honestly. God, I can't believe that's like the barometer against which we're measuring. Like, oh, well, at least they didn't crack up. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to be alone here. I'm not, look, I'm not going to praise this as a great movie, but I think this uh, is a notorious movie. It was very successful when it came out in Europe and uh, and then subsequently was released around the world. It was one of his few films to get a U.S. release. Um, uh, look, he's, I mean, with, with over 200 movies, the percentage of movies uh, that were actually re- even dubbed into English are a smaller percent uh, fraction of that, and this was, was one of them. The, the version we saw, um, I, I don't know if it was originally shot. I think it was shot in German, obviously dubbed. Even the German is dubbed because all the actors in here aren't even necessarily German. Uh, there's Spanish actors in here. There's a very, very famous um, British actor. But yeah, anyway, uh, it was it was quite popular at the time in Europe, had some success, again, as an exploitation film in the United States, is constantly found on lists of lesbian vampire movies, that kind of thing. He also directed a Count Dracula movie this same year uh, with Bruce Lee, and uh, she was in it as well as Lucy. Did I say Bruce Lee? I meant uh, Christopher Lee. 
Oh, that's hilarious. Christopher Lee. I was really, th- I was like, a, an, I could maybe get behind a Bruce Lee vampire movie. That would be crazy. <laughs> We've come real close. We've come real close. Uh, no, this movie, actually, I wouldn't mind watching. It's a PG movie, uh, and it's Bram Stoker's Count Dracula, directed uh, and re- co-written by him, uh, and it stars Christopher Lee uh, as Count Dracula, Klaus Kinski as Renfield, Fred Williams as Jonathan Harker, and again, the beautiful Soledad Miranda as Lucy. So I'd be kind of interested in checking it out one of these days, but um, this is the movie we're talking about today. Um, So anyway, I had not seen it before. It was a little hard to get a hold of, although it has had a recent couple DVD releases with some restoration uh, involved. I was glad to have seen it, and uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was just as painful for me to slog through as it was for you, so don't get all uppity on me about it. I, I doubt that. Well, maybe a little less painful. <laughs> Even, I mean, it is kind of sad when this erotic movie with tons of female nudity finds me so bored at one point that I'm just getting up and walking out of the room to, to go to the bathroom without pausing it. That's how bad it is. Even the erotic scenes are boring. <laughs> yeah oh man i don't know what to say about it i it was... you've heard of this before though right i mean no <laughs> no 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 nobody has heard of this you're all over the horror sites and you've never run across vampiros lesbos no and i always feel like i'm um doing ads for people and they're not paying me so i shouldn't but one of the main horror sites that i look at is is bloody disgusting and i went to their site because they have a search option and search this title and i don't think that uh it was mentioned once in 2016 because somebody in hollywood was throwing a vampiros lesbos party that was the only thing that had been written about it go to that party yeah i bet you would i uh (laughs) and i i just did you know a google search on it and i just didn't like i i couldn't find anything about it, as, aside from a Wikipedia page uh, and the IMDb page. Uh, so I don't think that this is as widely known as, as you think, at least not in America. What I will say, I guess, and this is being kind, is that maybe in 1971, something like this would be a little bit more sensational and subversive and less... Um, available and so maybe that would explain why it was popular it's just it's it's an it's just an it's a girly show it's a nudie show that's it like yeah. even though i'm not physically attracted to women i can still appreciate the beauty of a woman's body and i do and the women in this movie are beautiful and they have beautiful bodies but i don't need to leer at them for an hour and a half. The poor uh, girl who plays the main lady. Linda Westinghouse, U.S. Yeah, Stromberg. U.S. Stromberg. She is buck naked for 80% of this movie. Um, <laughs> just running around naked. And 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 Soledad Miranda's naked uh, probably 50%. Most of it. At l- yeah. Mo- yeah, at least, at least. Oh, more, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's mostly naked all the time when she's in it. <laughs> so? I, I, again, I, again, I'm saying, like, if I were a, a straight man in 1971 who didn't, you know, obviously have the internet and ha- who would actually have to walk into a store and hand somebody else money for pornography, maybe this would have been a nice alternative. Well, um, but, uh, 
I can see boobs anywhere, anytime, all day. (laughs) Like, this is not titillating. And, and on top of that, it's just a bad movie. Like, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. The acting is maybe one of the better things about it, but it's still really bad. The cinematography is not good. The plot doesn't make Excuse me, listeners, I'm sorry, but I have strong feelings about this movie, and so I'm probably going to be swearing more than usual. Now, Todd, I know You that, are going to make me have to edit out all yeah, of your you're gonna have to it, Yes, because it, oh this movie is so f***ing stupid. Like, I yeah. had no idea what was going on most of the time, and that was compounded by the fact that they cast two blonde women who are identical to one another. Oh, you're talking about the... Yeah, the other woman's not in it much. Yeah. But I had, she popped up, and I had no idea who she was, and I oh, thought, thought she was she still was, the other lady. You thought she was Linda. Yeah. You're talking about Agra. Okay. Yes, and uh, Todd first sent this movie to me, and I started watching it, and got a good almost 10 minutes in before I realized that it was in German without subtitles, because the first 10 minutes are just this lady dancing around naked, yeah. And then finally they start talking and it's in German. And so I turned it off and I told him and he sent me subtitles. It was fine. But honestly, I could have watched it without the subtitles and understood it as well as I did. It just didn't make any sense. It was stupid. Yeah, it doesn't have much of a plot. And and I think that's a strength of it actually, honestly, because if it made more sense, it would probably be even dumber. I I, I mean, look, this is just one tiny movie out of a gigantic, gigantic pool of similar type films from the 60s. Unless you were seeing major Hollywood productions in the 60s, or campy B-movie, PG black and white B-movies or whatever that were still being produced, then there's this huge thing in the middle where with the sexual liberation, and of course Europe has always been more you know, sexually liberal when it comes to filmmaking and things and stuff like that and didn't have all the restrict codes and stuff like that but these films were being pumped out by the thousands and we're not just talking horror um we're talking you know sort of swinging spy comedies like crazy slapstick sex comedies erotic globetrotting adventure kind of things like you can say they're erotic because they have lots of boobs and things in them what they don't have is hardcore sex in fact usually not even like that much sex sex at all it's mostly about leering at at naked women and again that runs the gambit as well some of them were more exploitative than others some of them had more art to them some of them were just cheaply made and put out you know as fast as possible to to get money and this I think I would is definitely on the, more on that end of the spectrum. But this isn't porn and it's not I mean of course to modern sensibilities this is not the movie that anybody makes today. Nobody makes a movie like this now, right? They have no appeal anymore. But back then this was huge. Women in prison movies. I mean this is the movies like this where were a lot of stars that we end up seeing in horror movies, you know, a decade or two later sometimes got their start in. black exploitation films are not far removed from this kind of thing, too, with the sex and all that, and the, and the nudity and things. And so um, Pamela Greer, I think, got her, were, was in several of Jess Franco's Women in Prison movies before she broke out. So I, I don't want to just roundly dismiss this for what it is. You know what I but mean? But that's not fair either, because I, I, I can get behind all of that. Like, erotica is nothing new. Erotica is... 
you know, a tale as old as time. And and there still is a market, I think, for like softcore stuff. Yes. Which I would argue that this kind of is, you're right, it's not porn. I'm just being, I'm exaggerating. But that's, it, it feels, this movie, I, I, I'm sure there are better quality films in this category that I would have despised less than I despise this movie because this movie just, For sure. it, it doesn't take any care. I have literally seen porn movies that are better than this movie just in a cinematic or narrative way yeah but i've also seen some that are are, are way worse i mean obviously but we're talking about 19 i don't want to get into a whole discussion about what our porn preferences are but like i'm talking about (laughs) i'm talking about movies that were made around this time and there's all kinds of scandal, you know, when it comes to the porn industry at this time. But I'm talking about things like um, Deep Throat or uh, The Devil and Miss Jones. You know, like these were hardcore porn movies. A little later, but yeah. Huh? Right. That um, kind of infiltrated the mainstream kind of for the first time in large part because not to say necessarily that they were great movies, but at least there was a little bit of care with narrative and storytelling and and that kind of thing and god i don't know i i i i I think i don't want people to think that i'm only being critical because of the lascivious nature of the movie i don't care about that i am not uh prude i'm right i'm not a prude i'm not i'm not opposed to nudity i'm not opposed to graphic stuff i i'm not opposed to actual pornography i support sex workers i am not prudish in that way i just think that this is a shitty movie okay so yeah so let's talk about on those merits i agree i mean it is a shitty movie uh it's a shitty exploitation movie not unlike many that came out around this time i do think it does have a little bit more care but we can talk about that i mean i felt like the movie itself had a sort of dreamlike quality that would pop in and out every now and then. And then it would put you to sleep, and where you would have actual dreams. Well, dreamlike in that it makes no sense and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, but it, in the, initially, anyway, I found that intriguing. Initially, I found that intriguing until I got into the movie and realized that it wasn't going to commit to that at all, you know, and it was just, uh, the rest of it was just kind of sloppy and boring and pedantic. It just, I just felt like it failed on every level like i felt like it was trying to to do something and failing like i don't understand the weird ass creepy chanting that would just pop in every once in a while now you're talking about the soundtrack and i'll tell you the reason that i bumped this up higher in the top of the list is because i recently discovered the soundtrack and i thought the soundtrack was killer did you listen to it no in a different context i think i could have appreciated the score it was very reminiscent of like 70s porn oh no no i mean 70s porn is like jazz and stuff i think this is reminiscent of um this is like psychedelic type music it it made me think of like austin powers like yes exactly exactly like austin powers type psychedelic uh type music and this was just franco's first film to to have this kind of score behind it and i thought that the juxtaposition of this bouncy kind of happy kind of psychedelic music along with what 
otherwise, I mean, if I was just shown this imagery and asked to score it, it would have been very different from that. Right. You know, I would have been trying to make it more mysterious and kind of sensual, uh, sensual and stuff. And this is just even when what's happening on the screen is very slow and like over the top. I don't even want to say dramatic, just like plodding along of just these like you just get really long takes of nothing but. In one case, this woman doing this sort of lame dance performance on a stage that involves her slowly taking her clothes off and draping them over another naked woman and then coming behind her and switching clothes with her and running her hand all over her body. And it's just like, oh, my God, this has been going on for 10 minutes and and it's putting me to sleep. Yeah, and fortunately for us... We get to see it twice, this like twice, the yeah. same routine. Like it's not like they just sh- mm-hmm. it's not like they filmed it once and then showed it twice. Like she just does the same thing twice, right. and it goes on literally. It, I would have to say a good five minutes, and it feels much longer to the point where I I was just like I was intentionally trying to find something else to look at. I'm like I've already seen this. Yeah, me too. Yet, okay, going back to the score, though, yet this had this peppy, cool music behind it, I thought. And so anyway, I fell in love with that music, uh, and I thought, well, a, a movie with this music scoring it. And and this score was fairly recently rediscovered. Uh, I think sometime in the, in the mid-'90s, they released this score out called uh, Vampiros Lesbos Psychosexual Dance Party. And uh, released it in Britain, and it, it was a bit of a hit for a while. Right. And you can go find it on YouTube, and I sent that to you. Like I said, before I even saw the movie, I, I heard the score, and I thought, God, if the score is this good, at least that's going to be entertaining. And that probably was one of the more entertaining things in the movie. Fair. <laughs> That being said, uh, it also was a little reminiscent of the kind of stuff that Goblin and Argento do with the chanting that seems to come in at odd places that I would argue makes things a little unsettling. I mean, it's bizarre tonally, but it's bizarre in a way that kind of, I don't know what, it, it just plays with your senses a little bit, and um, I find it a little unsettling. I found parts of this film, the parts that weren't boring as hell, were a little unsettling at times. And I think that's an accident, honestly. And maybe more a function of the editing than is actually the filmmaking. And, of course, the nonsensical nature of the plot adds a dreamlike quality to the whole thing, whether you want to give him credit for that being intentional or not. (laughs) But, you know, on its merits as a completed film, I actually found the first 10 minutes intriguing as intriguing as any other of these horror movies from about this era that are kind of trying to do something different or trying to be a little more art housey we we start off with that weird dance sequence like you said which is more, more or less happening in what would be like i guess a 60s era what you might call strip club yeah. in istanbul where things are just a little more like um, burlesque kind of like this has some pretensions to art she's got a candelabra and a mirror and and all that, and it's this woman who we talked about earlier playing uh, the Countess Carity. But we don't know any of this. All we know is something weirds happening on stage, and I thought that was kind of captivating. And then we see that there are people watching it, and there's this back and forth cutting between her and the woman you mentioned later, uh, Linda, uh, who is kind of our main character, played by U.A. Stromberg, um, who's sitting with a guy named Omar, who's like her boyfriend or something. And every shot of her is just her like 
dead faced and wide eyed. Like, well, I mean, I thought that was more to show that she was getting turned on by it. I guess. Oh God, it's closing in her eyes and all that. Yeah. Um. The the, the opening sequence. It was. I mean, it was surreal to an extent because I I, Very I think at well with the music largely adds to that but uh i think at first now i could be wrong but i think that at first the other naked woman on stage appears to be a mannequin yeah um but then when she starts interacting with it it's obviously a person Mm -hmm. so I, i didn't know if that was I don't know what it was supposed to be. I, I, I honestly don't know. It, it, it is, I mean, to be fair, it is erotic. These are beautiful women. You know, this scene stand alone, I don't hate. It's just in the context of this movie that I hate, it's, I, I don't know. I, uh, w- you're not gonna, you're not gonna give it too much credit because there's really no payoff. Right, exactly. <laughs> for, like, for, you know, yeah, she, I get she, you. She, she, I have in my note, um, vamp lady touches herself in front of a mirror. There are a bunch of pervs watching. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I also know that this was and is a thing. Like, these sorts of erotic performances, even live sex shows are a thing. I can I I remember I went to Amsterdam and other people when I was studying abroad and other people uh kind of in my study abroad group had gone to Amsterdam and had gone to live sex shows and I had absolutely no interest. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting in a room full of other people watching people have sex. Like that's just so Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> That'd be difficult for me, but uh... <laughs> you're, just, you're just sitting. In, and I, I was going to go down a, a road that I'm not going. To. Um, <laughs> well, the, well, they're not having sex. No, they're, well, they're not. I mean, she. No, they're not. Uh, but she's definitely touching this other woman's body and um, in sensual ways, and and it is, it is sensual and erotic. It, I think that this the actress does a good job and and uh obviously is vulnerable in doing all of this in the nude and and she has a beautiful body and all that so i'm not critical necessarily of that in particular you're right the the blonde who we come to find out is linda in the audience is totally into it but then like it's cutting between the show and her face and then just all these weird images yeah like drops of blood dripping down a window um a scorpion that we see 500 times. Yeah. A kite. A, a, a kite, kite flying through the air. Yeah. Some cabanas like by a seaside dock and somewhere we I think we we learn is a turkey or uh, this is all taking place in Turkey too and was shot in Turkey and I loved seeing actually some of that late 60s footage of Turkey. Uh but but yeah, but but it's 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 a little it throws you off a little bit because then there's this Linda, I Linda, I'm calling you. <laughs> With all those shots, you're like, is this supposed to be where they are? Are we moving on to a new spot? No, this is her dream. Yeah, right. Like, after the show, I guess. Yeah, and she's being haunted by this woman, right? Like, there's a sense that she feels like she's being called. Like, she can't get this out of her mind, and there's this this, this voice, and there's all these images that she can't make sense of. <laughs> and the next thing we see is she's in a psychiatrist uh, office. She's laying down, talking to her therapist, and she's saying, describing this. And that's when it finally 
grounds. Oh, okay, now we know it's a dream. Okay, now we know she's haunted. She's describing this to her, her therapist, who is, ha-ha, drawing pictures instead of actually making notes. And she's telling him that she was aroused by this. And he says, look, I think this means you're just sexually frustrated. You need to find a lover, a better lover. <laughs> and so... She returns to their seaside resort by the beach, and she actually, I don't think this is a resort. I think this is where she lives because she works uh, for this company called Simpson and Simpson, which is so clunky. Like, oh, it's super they just, clunky. They, they have to. They just need to get her to this vampire lady somewhere. So, oh, I work somewhere where I have to go talk to this lady about an inheritance. Clunkier than that, because we see her in her office. It's like. What, it's like a 30-second scene uh-huh. where somebody comes up to her and says, oh, miss, uh, there's this thing, and there's this account, and there's this account, and then she stops her and just announces to her coworker, oh, I need to go to Anatolia to see the Countess Carity about an inheritance. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then, boom, she's now... Going to these islands. On a boat. Right. Yeah, to this island, yeah. And she's at the hotel, but the boat has already left to take her to this other place so she the guy there says that the countess has booked a room for her and so this weird guy named <laughs> mammoth who works there i, I called him igor because i didn't know his name and that's what he reminded me of yeah. this little hunchback guy like i i expected him when he was leading her to her room to say walk this way like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He had that vibe. <laughs> and and this is the director of the movie, by the way. This is Jess Franco. And, oh, that's uh, hilarious. I wish I had known that. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that was funny. Yeah. But it's really funny because, like, he takes her to her room, and he, it seems like, is kind of maybe kind of putting the moves on her or something. But uh, she, like, lays down and has a little nap mare um, and wakes up and then, <laughs> and then goes walking around the building this hotel or whatever and um igor like pulls her aside and is like don't go to that island death lives there or something like that and then he's like come to the wine cellar later and by later yes. by later it's he meant five seconds from now yeah the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> because she goes there sees him torturing a woman and goes about her business like yes <laughs> never do- doesn't say anything to him doesn't report it to anybody else just moving on yeah <laughs> gets on her boat uh that was pretty jarring oh but what when, when she gets to the island uh we see that it is like the cabanas from her dreams and she sees the same kite flying in the air and all that Here's again like chanting. you said we get some images the scorpions are, you know, walking around well, like where she is. There's Linda. And there's this man with groovy sunglasses watching her from behind a net. It's her Renfield. Yeah, her Renfield or her familiar. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, she enters the cabana. It's like, is, hello, is anyone home? And uh, she can't really find anybody. And then she wanders outside. And boom, there is Countess Carity. Laying out in a bikini, and her suggestion is, hey, before you get settled down, why don't we go swimming? <laughs> but I didn't bring my so, bathing suit. Oh, my God. That's okay. No need to be shy. Nobody can see you here. <laughs> so they go out, and then we have a nice swinging 60s, like skinny dipping, lounging on the beach kind of uh, bit. Right. With the upbeat music. and <laughs> Yeah, and then they're back at the long table in the cabana with two candelabras having dinner, and they have some discussion that's finally going <laughs> to... Try to move this plot forward. A <laughs> yeah, bit. It's so stupid. The uh, the what's her name? Nadia is that her name? Um, she's uh, like 
no, actually, Linda's like, so you inherited this estate from Dracula. <laughs> do you know? Do you know Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the Countess is like, yeah, my family knows him or whatever. Like, they don't really talk about it. And then there's just some very intense eye gazing. Yes. And, and, then, and then the Countess. Lots of zooming and panning, by the way. Tons of zooming in this movie. Oh, my God. There's so many. And movies. she, the Countess pours them wine. And the Countess is like, I love red wine. <laughs> so stupid and then and then linda linda has like one drink of this wine i don't know if it's roofied or what but she immediately has a headache and like maybe i better lie down and immediately passes out on the table yep. mm-hmm. and the creepy guy who is what's her name's familiar or whatever his name's morpho hilarious morpho the magnificent he (laughs) (laughs) like she just she just snaps at him like a dog like she never says anything like she's like morpho well and he never talks and he just does whatever she wants him (laughs) to do i loved that part right he's under her spell so he carries her to bed this all happens so quickly and still feels like i swear to god i was looking at the timestamp every couple of minutes yeah and 15 minutes in i was like oh my god there's still an hour and 15 minutes left and it felt like that the whole time yeah he he, he carries her and puts her in a bed and then the countess appears when she wakes up the countess is in her room like behind some billowy curtains there are lots of billowing curtains in this movie Mm -hmm. and she's standing there she has blood on her lips why i have no idea and then in my notes the next thing i have is uncomfortable boob fondling (laughs) kissing (laughs) and then they like they get down on the floor and i don't know she's fondling her boobs and kissing her what they're doing yeah and then so the countess bites her neck and is like sucking on it for a while and then comes up and is slobbering bloody slobber all over her and it was the most unsexy thing i have ever seen (laughs) that was definitely not sexy. it was gross (laughs) it was disgusting it looked like real saliva like like she just built up a whole mouthful of saliva and then like popped a little blood capsule in there or something and it just ran out of her mouth it was disgusting low budget movie i'm sure that's exactly what happened (sighs) so gross Linda's passed out by now, and then she wakes up by herself. She goes downstairs and walks outside to find the Countess floating dead in the pool. Yeah, but why does she just assume that she's dead? Well, I mean, her eyes are open, and she's floating there, not moving, and she's got the blood on her mouth. I don't know. She she, she does. She does, You're right. She makes no effort to go out and go, hey, are you okay? Well, we or... have no idea what happens, because the next time we see Linda, she's, like, catatonic in a hospital. and And we find out through dialogue... That she was, like, found on the beach and has amnesia? Yeah, it's it's a pretty jarring cut to this wo- other woman that you're talking about, who I also thought that it was Linda at first. Because they're identical twins. The o- Well, the only difference is <laughs> the Agra... Well, they the, call her Agra. She looks, she looks maybe a little bit older, and she has slightly shorter hair. Those, like, beyond that, they are both platinum blondes with long hair, ice yeah. blue eyes... 
like every other actress from this era. Yeah, that's a, that's a common problem with these movies, honestly, that I have anyway. They've all got the same hairstyle, the ha- same hair color, the same makeup. Well, she's uh, we, we find out she's in a room in some kind of facility, which turns out to be Dr. Seward's private clinic. This guy, what an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> He's such right? a douchebag. Both of the doctors in this movie are such douchebag, but this guy's particularly douchey. And Oh, this the Dr. Steiner? Yeah. The one who kind of comes running in. I don't whichever one is like yeah, he's treating these women but is also interested in the occult and blabbers on and on and on about the He's so annoying. Well, this Agra gal is, is supposed to be like the Lucy, I think, of this particular version of Dracula. Because we we come to find out she she has she's coming back. I knew it. She'll take hold of me again, and I'm so happy. You know, help me so she won't leave me again. Right. So, uh, yeah, she's kind of fl- flipping out. She's and then, right. And she's guy. a previous lover, but I mm-hmm. and and I guess that is Nadine's. MO. That's what she does. She lays it out. She tells Morpho. Like, Morpho doesn't know. Yeah, she eventually just says, right, like, well, we need to she, know. She, right. <laughs> that's what there, there, I mean, we can talk more about backstory and exposition in a second, but basically what she says is she loves women and um, she loves seducing women and that's what she does. And But she's obsessed with or in love with Linda. This one's different. Yeah. She's actually really obsessed with this one so agra is just some former woman that she has done this to who she doesn't care about but also like these those scenes with um agra were really uncomfortable because she appears to be either in sexual ecstasy or painfully horny (laughs) (laughs) somebody needs to get this woman a vibrator immediately like on an emergency (laughs) basis like get out the emergency vibrator because this woman is in need (laughs) released badly (laughs) but it was it was uncomfortable to watch because she's just writhing around like touching herself like thrusting her pelvis into the floor moaning and groaning all the time honestly i couldn't tell if it was just poor acting on the part of a person who's supposed to be in an agony or if it was supposed to be very very sexual oh i think it was definitely supposed to be sexual and as it was very uncomfortable but whoever that poor actress was she went for it like she did for you and they don't cut away I mean, I think this is part of the cheap nature of this. There's not a lot of cutting here. So these scenes play out in like one long take. And like I said, if there needs to be camera movement, the camera's on a tripod and it's just zooming in there and panning over there. Like there's no dolly shots in here. <laughs> there's no, there's very little care taken with the filmmaking. In fact, the, these scenes up in her room and anything that does not have a naked woman involved is, seems to be lit very poorly and uh, kind of just poorly filmed yeah when there is a naked woman involved it's like oh yeah beautifully lit cheese cloth very i mean there's a very big stylistic difference between the two things and it was and and even times when it's just out of focus yes in some of these right which is really irritating right like if there are no boobs what's there to look at like why even bother to focus the camera (laughs) exactly <laughs> I love this though. This is just no, it's fun. infuriating because apparent ap- apparently Linda is also under this doctor's care. 
she has amnesia. She doesn't even know who she is until she just does. And then she just doesn't have amnesia anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Can't remember a name, can't remember anything until eventually she does. Five seconds after saying she has amnesia. And (laughs) then, like, her boyfriend comes to fetch her because he read about this mystery woman in the paper. He's like, oh, she's missing, so that must be her. It must be her. I came about the woman you found on the beach. Yeah, that guy. I'm here about that woman. So then she doesn't have full amnesia anymore but she doesn't she says i don't remember what happened on the island except for everything that happened like <laughs> <laughs> except all i've all i'm seeing in my head is a dead naked countess carity floating in a swimming pool and I'm, i wonder if it was just a dream or not and all this is done in voiceover while we see them walking around kind of like going into cafes and kind of hanging out at their house or whatever and the and this is cutting uh with shots of countess carity clearly very much alive looking at them through like panes of glass or from like a cafe across the street from windows that we can't see because it's it's framed up too tightly and again this is another spot where i actually felt like the movie was doing a decent job of throwing a little mystery my way you know i i don't know was it a dream like so much of that was surreal anyway and now she's out of it and now they're cutting to countess carity who's clearly alive and she's she's looking on to her so so she's not dead was she pretending to be dead did, i i you know all of that I, why did she just leave her like i kind of had these questions I, don't get me wrong the, the movie doesn't really satisfactorily answer any of this and i don't think it's that sophisticated but i thought that at this point in the movie we were getting back to the what i was feeling in the very beginning which was this interesting cutting and editing that created this real surreal kind of dreamlike kind of off-putting quality all with that psychedelic music behind it that i just wasn't sure i knew what was going on (laughs) you say interesting cutting and editing i would say sloppy like it just it feels like it's just slopped together well, you see the you see the scorpion again, you see the kite again, you know, you get to see it calls back to those things that I'm thinking these are symbolic. I feel like he was trying to create sort of an art housey type movie because it certainly has a bit of that feel to it. I, I guess, but it's just not it's not well done. Like no. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that Nadine watches Omar and Linda bang. Um, and then Linda wakes up from that to more psychic calling, and she's just buck naked, just strutting around. Mm-hmm. And then I can't imagine that this was for a stylistic purpose, but you've got this shitty handicam shot of Nadine, wa- or one of them, walking up. It's Linda, I think, walking up this spiral staircase. Now, that the the space in which it is shot is beautiful, and it's lit really in an interesting way it's like red and she's in white and walking up these uh this winding staircase but it's just it looks like somebody's shooting it on their phone like it's shaky yeah Uh, i thought it was a little voyeuristic all right that's fair if it if if it's meant to be a pov shot yeah okay Uh, i don't know if that's the case but if so then okay she's kind of found herself to that house so like it, this is super clunky. There's a, now there's like a house. I think that Nadine is in the same hotel that they're in. I think that no. yeah, I think she's just in a different room. Oh, really? I think so. I don't know, I could be wrong. But she because Linda just wakes up 
and gets out of bed with Omar and walks around and ends up in Nadine's room. Well, yeah, she like walks around outside. She's like outside climbing steps. Is she outside? Yeah, there's a shot of her. She wakes up from Omar. She walks outside. Then there's a shot of her walking up the steps outside to this big house, which is called the Urs- Ursulum House or something. I don't remember it. Like It's referenced earlier. Oh, okay. Well, I missed that. But it's not Nadine's house. No. It's not the beach house. It's not the beach house. No, this is like Nadine. Uh, it's referenced later. We don't really know what it is. All we see is that um, Nadine is in there. There's this really long scene, like you referenced earlier, that's just this long exposition where she's telling nobody in particular except... Morpho. Um, she's basically saying, uh, oh, this was my father's house. It was 100 or 200 years ago. I don't remember. Uh, but suddenly the Count appeared, Count Dracula. I looked down and I saw fighting going on outside and there were soldiers in battle and stuff. And, and Count Dracula was killing people, I guess. And he stuck a knife into the soldier lying on top of me. Honestly, I couldn't figure out what some this some was. Uh, Some forces were like raiding or pillaging yeah. that, that village and they were uh, raiding the homes and raping women in the, the street. Right. And uh, Dracula rescued her from that, but then bit, yeah, bit her and presumably became her lover. And she didn't like it. Came back to her night after night and eventually when she was on the point of death, then he turned her and made her a vampire. But she doesn't like men. She is vampiros lesbos. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and she says women are captivated. She's captivated by women and women are captivated by her. So she she steals their identities and becomes them is kind of what she says. And Which I don't understand. I don't know. You know, it's clunky to just throw all this into one dumb monologue that this woman just lays on a sofa and just speaks to the air. But that's that's what we get. So now we know why she's a vampire, kind of her relation to Dracula, and why she's a lesbian, a a male-hating lesbian. (laughs) Yeah, um, I guess we had to have a reason back in the 70s for for this. But she says out loud... Now she's met Linda, and now I'm under her spell. I must initiate her into my circle. Right. And and yeah. so that's – so Linda somehow ends up in her room, and she's like in a trance. And Nadine mm-hmm. gives her a chalice to drink from, and she does. And she <laughs> Nadine's like – she's like, that was blood. Did, Did you, you know notice, that was blood? Did you like, notice that what? was blood? <laughs> It's so stupid. Uh, and then and then she says, you're one of us now. Um, the queen of the night will bear you up on her black weens, blah, blah, blah. Then there's they more lesbian sex. Lesbian sex yeah. time. We intercut with the with Agra, who now has a sort of phallic dildo. Oh, she my God. She has a giant clown dildo. Yeah, she, somebody somebody helped her out. <laughs> and it. Uh, I don't think it's – is it? Is it literally a dildo? I don't think that it is, but it's so phallic. I don't think it is, but it's suggestive of a phallus. Yeah, uh-huh. And, and that she somehow now has in her bed with her for some reason. <laughs> that, again, she's she's going through her ecstasy or whatever and just kind of caressing it with her hands. It's so, it's so charmingly 1960s eroticism from Europe. Maybe I kind of like look a little more kindly on these things and roll my eyes in in, in a different way than you do because it, it's it, it just kind of tickles because my of bone. your worldly sensibilities no no it's and, just and I'm same. just this dumb American <laughs> no it's because 
we I think we have the same thing about the giallo, you know? I just like this time period. I like the uh, the the costumes and the things. I like the silly sensibility that, you know, is totally foreign to us now. The dumb cheesecake like this is what turned people on back then obviously doesn't anymore, but I I find that charming and fun to watch as opposed to getting angry at it and wondering why I'm wasting my time. You know, well, I don't know. Yeah, that that pretty much sums up how I felt about it. So I, I guess. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Again, like I said, it's just that it's a bad movie. It's not about the lesbian sex and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't have any problem with that. It's just that the movie's not good. No, it wasn't fun to watch. It wasn't interesting. <laughs> I was angry about it. I still am a little bit. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Then Nadine feeds on Linda again. And when that happens, Agra freaks out. I don't really know why. Yeah, probably like, you know, just been passed on to the new person. She's been left down the cold. But then she feels it. It cuts to a scene in the psychiatric hospital where the where the doctor is like in his office or the lobby or whatever. And Omar, the boyfriend, is there. But he's like catatonic yeah. because he's lost a lot of blood. What? When? Why? She bit him. She did? She bit him. There was a scene... Well, we never saw it explicitly, but it was implied because after Linda got up and wandered around and had they had their thing, there was a shot of Omar laying in his bed, but his eyes were open, but he wasn't moving. And uh, Nadine was standing outside kind of staring at him, and I thought, okay, she's going to bite him next. But we don't see it happen, of course. And but but the doctor says, "Don't worry, it's okay." I mean, I've studied a lot of vampire lore. You are safe. You can't cross over into their world. But Linda is different. She's in danger. So, so this is after Omar suddenly wakes up and he's better. Like a scene later. Yeah, immediately, right. And it's like, uh, who knows how and why? Like the, the dots are connected by anybody in this movie that suddenly now we're all talking about vampires very matter-of-factly and talking about who's in danger and who's not. Up until now, everything was supposed to be a great mystery, but now it seems like Dr. Seward kind of knew all along what was going on and he was digging through his books to try to figure it all out. Yeah, you know, and, I, It's bizarre. And so now we know that Nadine is into Linda and Linda is a vampire and the, the doctor says that she's in danger and he tells her the only way you can kill a vampire is by, you know, a, a fatal blow to the head. You either have to take an axe and split their head open or you have to, like... Uh, put a rod in their pierce it with the uh, bar. yeah right in their head and so that's some new vampire lore she, well which yeah. is fine i mean <laughs> this uh it, it defies convention you know she is out in the daytime all the time so yeah uh, i i have no idea what the vampire qualities are here but that's how you have to kill them you have to destroy their head and then apparently they needed to i don't know why this happens but um igor i don't know his real name um but e- <laughs> igor kidnaps linda <laughs> yes. and, and oh this is and so embarrassing takes her, scene. takes her to his torture cellar oh my god it's so stupid yeah this is and, really and, dumb and goes on and on like you, you you i suppose you could play the clips i don't know how many german fans we have Ich bin es dir etwas antut. Du selbst hast es in der Hand zu wählen. Sage mir, ob du mir zu willen sein willst, so wie die andere es war. Sie war glücklich. 
Komm, ich zeige sie dir. <laughs> rambles for like three or four minutes about nonsense. It's nonsense. It's random garbage. It's clumsy and yeah. And he, he he says he's gonna torture her because he loves her and he hates her. And is he the one who says something stupid like, uh, "My hate and my love for you are infinite." <laughs> yes. And yes, and he, yes. he still has the last dead woman that she full knew well about and didn't tell anybody. So it's her own mm -hmm. fault, I suppose. Then she. <laughs> She kills. She she tricks him into untying her, and she kills him with a hacksaw, <sighs> which we don't even get to see. There's no there's no, no blood or anything. But because because she's missing, Omar and the therapist. I don't know one of these stupid men doctors. Omar and one of these stupid men doctors believe that uh, Nadine must have her. So they go to Nadine's house and go in and are snooping around. And then Nadine says, "Morpho." And Morpho shoots at them, and they run away. Like, it's just the funniest yeah. thing. Like, oh, we, yeah. we think that she's in there, but somebody shot at us, so we just have to leave. And, like, that's just it. And then they go to the nightclub again. We get to see the Countess do the exact same performance, more or less, all over uh -huh. again in another 10, 15-minute exploitation scene of two women naked. That was the point at which I was like, oh, God. And I, was, I mean, it wasn't the first time, but I was definitely wandering around the house waiting for that to be done. Uh, but then at the end of this one, she actually bites that woman on stage. And kills her, right. And kills her, which it's not clear at the time, but later Omar, Omar says to the doctor, this local performer killed this woman on stage, plus Linda's missing and all that. I think they're all connected. And somebody had said something to him about the house on the hill. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He, he very clumsily starts to put it all together. So they decide they need to go up, up to the house. But they don't stay because they get shot at. And then immediately, yeah, but then, but then immediately we see run Linda, Linda running on the beach towards the house. And she does, she arrives, mm -hmm. this makes no sense to me, she pounds on the doors, we are forced to look at that scorpion dying underwater. Now, obviously, this is meant to be symbolic, but it is just so heavy-handed, like, I get yeah. it, I get it, but it doesn't make the any... scorpion is the vampire, and now it's dying. And now it's dying, so she goes in, and Nadine is, like, you know, just in a garter belt and a like a scarf or something laying on the bed and she says the end has come from come for me i don't understand what is happening here why is she dying i don't know what happened i don't know and, and it, i'm not sure it, it well, seems like seward got choked out we missed that bit seward got choked out by her familiar oh yeah whatever who cares did she get shot at one point? Maybe she did get shot. I don't remember her getting shot. I don't know what happens to her, but what it seemed like to me was that she needed Linda's blood, and I think she kind of says that to Linda, and, Lin and Linda's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to. Well, she says, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to join you. Whatever. But so yeah. then Linda bites Nadine's neck. Yes. <laughs> and, and in my notes, I have... Nadine dies, Agra comes, Linda stabs Nadine's head. <laughs> like that's that's the series of events. Uh, and then when she stabs Nadine in the head, she stabs her in the eye. We don't see it when it happens. Instead, we see uh, cherry-flavored Kool-Aid spray up into Linda's face. Right. Um, but we do then later see 
that uh, it was her eye that had been stabbed because Morpho comes in, kisses the dead Nadine, and takes the spike out and then kills himself with it. Yes. This is, again, trying to be very uh, artsy, I think, because uh, it's like, you know, it's just kind of in, in reflection and all this. It's so slow and uh-huh. it's just so boring. And then finally, the scorpion has now drowned. And I felt bad for that scorpion. I, I think did they too. probably really drowned a scorpion. You know, I'm sure they did. Screw those guys. <laughs> and the kite falls out of the sky. And so, uh, you know, we kind of get that wrap around. So, you know, it has some art to it. Yeah. And Omar shows up and he's with the doctor and the doctor tells Linda, just, it was all just a dream. And she's like, no, it wasn't. The end. <laughs> God. Yep. Sailing away on their it boat. Was, it was just really, really bad. And we've seen worse. There's a remake. <sighs> there's a remake. Yes. Did you, you didn't know that? Oh, cool. There's like in, there's like no. a 2008 remake that I, I read follows the same story, if you want to call it that. I I, I don't Ooh, know. Let's I, watch I, that. No, let's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in was... fact, like I I am thinking of movies uh, to pay you back <laughs> for this one, <laughs> and I've already got one in mind. Just oh, so sweet. You know. um, oh, is this? Is this starting the dueling battle wars now? The yes. Uh, are we entering a new phase of our relationship and our podcast right now? Where now we're just actively trying to. I I am going. I'm going to make you watch some graphic gay male sex. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to be seeing dong all day. Um. Wow. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I hated it. I do not, <laughs> under any circumstance, recommend it. I have nothing nice to say about it. That's all. I'm glad we finally watched a Just Franco movie. I enjoyed seeing these beautiful women in this uh, otherwise forgettable film. The women are beautiful. I did feel like there was some attempt at art, uh, as much <laughs> as he was willing to do, but not very strong attempt, and most of it failed. And uh, he knows that. He, he wasn't making these movies for high art. This is definitely an exploitation film. It was intended to be that way. I didn't really expect much more out of it. I was pleasantly surprised by a few interesting shots and some interesting editing and this killer score, which um, I kind of almost wish I hadn't seen the movie because I don't want... It's like the score has been kind of spoiled by the imagery that it accompanies. Nah. When I was just listening to it by itself uh, while I'm like cooking and like hanging out around the house, which I was literally doing for weeks, I just loved it. Almost like I, I sometimes pull on some of those Argento Goblin scores yeah. just to kind of score my life. And now that, you know, I've, it, I've, it's being associated with some of the claptrap in this movie, it, it, it's lost a little bit of its luster. But I still think it's a great score. A lot of people apparently do. And so, yeah, it had it had a few things to offer it. I don't feel like I wait I don't feel like I wasted my time 100%, but this is not a movie that I think anybody should go out and see. Um it's just really not worth it. No, and not be, not because it's offensive, it's just bad. Like it's just not yeah, it's, it's just, not fun to watch. You could fast forward through it if you're curious at all, but yeah. Maybe we'll do another Jess Franco movie that's actually better. We'll see. I'm kind of curious about that Count Dracula movie from the 70s that he directed. Hmm. It'll be we'll interesting see. to see how that how that compares to the Hammer ones, since it's got some of the same people in it. 
All right, well, thank you for um, allowing me to torture you, Craig, with uh, Vampiros Lesbos. If uh, you guys have, on the off chance, seen this movie, we'd love to hear what you think about it. Feel free to rip me a new one. Join our patron community and uh, help us pick out these movies. We have nice little conversations going on um, on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. Once again, this is Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah!